Hello, the Cinemascope here. I'm Joe Brown, and today I have two very special guests. They have both worked on many films, such as The Hunger Games, Life, Birdman, and The Amazing Revenant. I'm very humbled to be introducing Richard Molina and Stephen Mirioni. Both of these guys are amazingly talented editors and buzzing to chat to them. How are you doing, guys? Hello. Hello. Doing very well, thanks. Good. Uh, so these two uh, fantastic editors, and you'll have seen a lot of their films, so uh, really listen to what they're saying because it's going to be a fantastic chat. So uh, just uh, whenever you two want to speak, just uh, look at each other and just work it out. But where are you guys from, and what were the reasons you wanted to have a career in film, if you can go back to that far? Stephen, you want to go first? No, you, you can go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I wanted to do animation, really. And when I was uh, in junior high, actually, my brother had a, an Amiga, like a Commodore computer. And there's like a really rudimentary like animation program on there that I really got into. And um, going into high school, I thought that's what I want to do. I want to be an animator. I want to work in cartoons and I want to do this kind of, you know, these kinds of things. And um, what had happened though, I think like you know my chemistry class the the chemistry teacher you know convinced me that there was there was no way I was ever going to make money being an animator because you know that you know in uh, in Russia that they're going to pay somebody like you know 10 cents to the dollar to do the same job that I was going to do in animation and that that I should probably think about something else and I don't know why but I was like well well yeah well maybe it's the wrong path you know this is in chemistry because I did an animation for chemistry uh you know with whatever to pass a grade I was like oh I'm going to show up I'm going to animate this whole thing so that's what I did and uh but while I was doing that I was working in my high school television production doing bumpers and logos and I was on the at like the video editing system because it was attached to the computer because I was connected to it but sure enough, I started to learn, you know, all the video side because I needed to get my animations onto the videotape. And then before you knew it, I was just like cutting all, you know, like the high school video yearbook and everything else. And, you know, it just led, led from there. But um, that's how that all started. And so I've kind of like, I don't know if it was accident. It's, it's like animating, you know, you've got to think about what you want to put and where, where things go. So it's kind of a natural progression, you know, in that respect, you know, so I was already editing without even knowing I was editing. I was just like thinking about, cause in animation, you got to, you know, it's just like, okay, this goes here, this goes here. I need a wide shot. I need to, you know, push in, not even thinking in those terms of like, you know, camera angles or anything. It was just images in my head. I wasn't, you know, as a kid, I wasn't thinking about things like that. I just knew I wanted to have somebody react to something and you would punch in or whatever. But uh, that's how I got into that, you know? Cool. And so. Very cool. And Stephen, how, cool. And Stephen, how did you get into it? Uh, I, I, you know, spent um, most of my time in high school believing that I was going to pursue uh, psychology or, you know, some, some sort of uh, psychiatry, psychology, something in, along those lines. And, uh, of course, realized fairly quickly that I had to be much better and more interested in doing science than I actually was. So, so I, I, just as I was going into college decided, you know what, I really would prefer to do something and pursue something that's, that's more creative, um, or that's more, uh, not that's more creative, but, but that is really about creating things. And I, and I, you know, had done a, a bit of writing and, and, uh, you know, had been playing, uh, instruments and in orchestras growing up and things. And so, uh, in college, I decided I was going to pursue maybe screenwriting or anyway, so I started taking some film classes uh, and quickly discovered editing kind of for the first time, uh, doing a, a documentary project, a small documentary project. And, you know, at that time, it was just a, a tape to tape, right, uh, editing system that, that we were using. And the the aspect of taking this footage that i had recorded and 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 starting to piece it together and 
finding this story that that came from nowhere was was just so appealing to me because it it used uh skills that i already had from storytelling it used skills computer skills that i kind not computer skills but but just skills of of how to to work technology you know and so forth and then also uh, uh music um was kind of part of it as well anyway i i was just really uh, in love with it and realized that it was something that I loved to do much more than I loved to write. Um, I loved finding the story in this footage. Uh, and so I knew pretty early on in college that I wanted to be an editor. And I, and so I just got really obsessed with it and mm. learned every kind of system that I could, um, cutting on you know 60 millimeter film as well and and um reading every book i could find every every interview with with editors and and through that process that's where i discovered uh the 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 difference in terms of the different disciplines and, and that that what i really wanted to be doing was feature film editing that that was the the pinnacle of the art form in a sense at the time and and that's what i was really um, preparing for as I as I left college and, and came straight to Los Angeles to try to to try to do that. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you both kind of like maybe a bit more earlier for you, Stephen, but you kind of stumbled across editing and then really found the love for it. And that's where, and then you yes. honed in on your skills and then started to develop them. If you, and, it, and it is, it's a, it's a great skill and a massive art. And I don't, and for me, it's almost like, not really in, to the casual movie go or the, or the casual cinema go it's not really thought about really as much as all the other things so this is why i try to do things like this to get editors on to speak about it because it is a it's a fantastic art so just in your words between you guys what is editing and what is it that you guys do that allows us to see as fans to see films uh, if you want to start rich and then you can say after Stephen. i think uh, for me, editing is always, it's like the final draft of like whatever creators for, you know, the, the, the story that's envisioned on paper, it always turns out to be the final draft and you're always part of that. So you're kind of like a writer too, in a way. I mean, you know, it has like a whole progression and it changes from the beginning, from when you write it to when you have it on film. Cause sometimes, you know, it, it's funny, like throughout the years, I've always heard, you know, studio heads go like, that's not the movie that we thought we were going to get. I'm like, well, didn't you read the script? It's in the script. I didn't you read this, you know, like, you know, I could never, you know, it's just like, what do you like? This is it. This is like, uh, you know, it's just maybe told in a different way or maybe they, everybody's imagination is somehow different. But once it finally gets into the cutting room and you're actually working with the material, you're working on the final draft whether you're keep, you keep massaging and massaging it. But, you know, to me, that's what editing is, is like finally like doing the, 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 the fine sculpting and the, you know, all the fine details of your, your piece of work, if you're, of your sculpture or artwork, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, but, the, and there's a lot of things that go with that, you know, but uh, to me, it, it's just, I like to think it's like the, uh, the final piece of art, you know, that you're, you're actually seeing in the theater you know the final draft so to speak very cool and you Stephen? yeah i've, I've always uh, i've always found that that the editorial process is is about shaping the point of view of the audience so like like that to me is the editor's biggest contribution mm -hmm. um you know because you can you can read something in a script in written form um, and and you're going to project, right? You're going to project your own uh, interpretation of, of of how you're taking that in. Um, but what a director can do is is pick setups, pick different camera moves, pick pick which you know way we're pointed pointing the camera, different lenses, etc. And then you get at the editor, you get all that material in, and you're making choices about how the audience relates to that information that you're getting. You're making those choices of, am I focused on what the person is saying 
Or am I focused on the person that's taking in this information and, and is listening to this information? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm revealing, uh, depending on what camera setup I'm cutting to, right? I'm, I'm either revealing more information about the environment and the space that they're in, or I'm purposefully hiding that so that, so that you don't find out about that uh, uh, and, until later. Um, so, so yeah, I, I find it's kind of a, a dance uh, where you're, where you're kind of guiding the audience along through the scene so that they, they have the proper relationship with, with the performances mm. and, and, and with how the story unfolds. Yeah, de definitely. And it's a, uh, so you touched on something there about how it, you have to basically watch what you've been given and then you have to interpret how, so almost like you're, you're seeing it through the audience's perspective. That's what you guys have got to basically uh, watch and then make a choice on what you think the audience wants to see or what. So it, I was just going to touch on, so you, the importance of the relationship between the director and the editor is obviously huge, right? Because you have to take his vision or her vision and uh, put it onto screen. And um, so I was going to ask how much freedom do you as editors get to make your own choices? I suppose that might depend, that might be different for each film that you're on or, or maybe a director will give you more freedom than others. Just from your guys' perspective, how much freedom are you allowed? to change, to basically input your, what you see and, uh, and, and things of that nature, if you want to start rich. Well, I, I think it's, you know, there's some directors that will say, oh, I like these takes, only use these takes, or, you know, don't show anybody else anything else. I just want, like, you know, I've been in situations where you assemble dailies just based on selects, and that's just what you do, and you only use those selects. And then you only, if you're, you want to, I mean, you know, every, every show is different. And that's another thing why I like, what I like about editing is every movie is different. Every situation is different. So, but, you know, generally I like to look at what they're, you know, I like to, you look at all the dailies and then you look at, okay, this is, this is what they like. And then you try to make that work. But, you know, if something doesn't work for me, if I like something different, I generally try to give another option as well, because if, you know the selects don't work then you know or if they kind of work but you might like something better and it goes into different you know because little nuances in their character will take you down a different path especially if you're not you know careful you know so uh and you kind of want to be consistent through it you know you know you might have like some little ticks or some little inflections that you'll get in a particular take which is not in a select but then how do you continue that on if you're not you know, all of a sudden you're, you're building a character's personality without keeping in line with what the story is, or it's, it's, it's on a tangent. It might be okay. It's not necessarily wrong. It's just different than what somebody's expecting, what the director's expecting with the selects, which is what they're probably going for. Um, but I generally find that, you know, you stick with their selects and, you know, you go out sometimes and if something's better. It's just better. You know, if when you present something for the first time, I think, uh, you know, it's just you're presenting it for the first time. They might not even notice if it's good, you know, and it might not even be a select. It could be the first take, but you never know. But I, I generally find that uh, a lot of directors are pretty open to, you know, kind of a little freedom because it kind of, a lot of times it gives them a sense of, okay, this is what it is without my vision. This is your interpretation. Maybe there's some things that are good because all along the way, you're always looking for something better or good that actually fits in the grand puzzle, you know, it's a big puzzle. And sometimes some things are better than others. So, yeah, so, you know, I, I always find it uh, that directors are, are generally okay with it. Some are not, but generally okay with, uh, you know, having your own freedom. Cool. Go on, Steven, sorry. Yeah, no, um, it's, you know, I don't, I don't, think about it so much of as freedom because first of all everything that that you do every choice that you're making you should be infusing that those choices with your personality your experience your you know like you, you're never you, you should always be doing things that are very personal to you i think in terms of while you're working i think that's just a natural thing that that occurs but a large part of the job, right? A film, 
And, and one of the reasons I, I gravitated towards feature films is it's, it's a director's medium. It's, 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 it's very similar to if you're playing in an orchestra, the conductor is the, the, the visionary, right? The, the, the conductor is the one who has uh, taken in all the pieces of, of music uh, that, 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 that were composed and, and finds a way to interpret that and, and finds a way to present that, right? And is, is teaching essentially the orchestra how they want to present that. It's the same, it's a very similar thing uh, in terms of a director. The director is interpreting that script uh, it's, it's that director's vision. And as an editor, one of the things I really enjoy is shaping my process, my process to the director's creative process that, that I get a chance to work one-on-one, -on -one, uh, in a partnership with this director and, and to learn how they think, how they think creatively, how they, how their mind works. And, and, so, so it's not so much a, a question of freedom, right? Because I might, I might attack a scene, right, for the first time and put it together in such a way that makes sense to me. And maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I didn't interpret it right. Or maybe everything about it is wrong, but we won't really know that until the movie's all put together, right? Mm. But the director might need some time, right? Might need, some directors will maybe look at something and say, okay, I messed that up or I don't like that and let's rip it out and let's do this, this, this. Other directors might need some time to like sit with it emotionally and, and to figure out and to learn. And, and you also have to be careful, right? Because as an editor, you're spending, while they're shooting, you're already putting things together. So you've already got a little bit of a head start on the director in terms of seeing things and starting to form opinions about things. It, it's a delicate thing. You don't, you know, it, it, I, I, a lot of times I, I, refer to it as a very similar relationship to, to like with a, with a psychologist, with a, with a therapist, right? Mm. You don't wanna, you don't wanna force things, right? You don't wanna project onto the person you're, you're, you're trying to support, mm. right? It's a support role. So you, you really want to listen and, and, and help them accomplish the things that they're trying to accomplish. A lot of the job is the director baby saying, hey, this scene is not, is not hitting me in the gut enough. So how, how can we, and so then you've got to look at the material and interpret that and, and do a performance as an editor, do a performance and try to find ways, maybe with slightly different performances, a slightly different cutting pattern, different rhythms. Um, and help execute that. Um, but that's, that's to me what it's about. It's not about, hey, putting my stamp on something. But mm. That comes inevitably from the team, you know? Mm. It, it's, it's, it's more about supporting the, the, the director's vision, I, I think, yeah. Yeah, very interesting stuff. So um, in, I was just gonna ask you a, guys a personal question about, about, the fil about film and stuff. Since finding editing and, and becoming editors, have you ever wanted to go into other roles within film or been uh, different roles in filmmaking? Since it, it, or have you always just since you found it stuck with wanting to be editors and sticking with editing? So, if you want to start, Rich. Wow, I mean, I've been on set where I'm like, Rich, can you just do second unit? And I'm like, okay, like I know what I need, so I just do second unit. I I think that it happens more so than not. And you just don't talk about it, mm. you know, and, you know, coming up as, as an assistant, I work with editors or that to me, it was a natural thing. Oh yeah. They're going to do second unit. They're going to, or they're taking splinter unit and grabbing some things they need. So, I mean, but I don't look at it as like, Oh, I'm going to be a director and I'm going to take over. It's just mm. thing, things that I need for editorial. I mean, I've been in situations where, you know, like, okay, somebody's bringing a rec camera. We're just going to do inserts. I'm like, we're going to do inserts? Yeah, we're going to do inserts. All right, fine. You know, and pick mm. up some inserts and you'll never notice. And it's just like, okay. You know, but to me, I like, I don't have any, like, editing. I like, I like where I'm at. You know, I like where I'm going to be. I like where I'm going. And mm -hmm. I like the process. And it, it, to me, it's always a learning process. And there's natural progressions, but right now for me, I think editing's where it's at, you know, um, 
but picking up, you know, second unit stuff or like, you know, even because even when you're on a set, much like I think, I think maybe Stephen will agree with this is that like sometimes, you know, when you're cutting and you're, you're getting your dailies, that's why they're called dailies. You're getting, you're getting everything. You might notice, like, I think we're missing something here. We better let them know to pick that up. I mean, you're not directing per se, but you're, you're making a suggestion because it's something, you know, in the cutting room that you need. So to me, that's, that's still part of editing, like a visual circumstance where you need something and you know you're going to need it. So you make a suggestion or, or make a request, hey, we need to pick this up before we leave that location or this thing because we're not going to be able to get it again. So, but uh, editing for me is, uh, I mean, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, go on, Stephen. Yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always just really loved uh what i do and uh, you know and was really lucky to have discovered that early on and you know a lot of a lot of people will will ask oh do you want to direct i really don't because because again i i think to be a really good director um like a really exceptional director you have to have to do it like there has to be something inside you that that you, you've got something you need to express and something you need to tell that you can't control yourself, that you just have to do it. Mm. And that's how I felt about editing, is I, I love the partnership. I love working with the, the other person. I love being alone with the movie and finding it. And, and those are the things that I enjoy the most. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other um, BS involved in terms of just like it's a job right and you've got to deal with all these different personalities and there's a business side of things that you have to be conscious of and my feeling is the ratio of the the obnoxious annoying stuff compared to the stuff that i just absolutely love mm. The ratio is just so perfect. I I wouldn't want to to flip any of that around. You know, to be a director, you'd have to you'd have to deal with uh, so much nonsense that that I mean, for me, that that I I don't want it enough to force myself to go through that. I see what these directors have to deal with just to get a project off the ground, and it's I mean. It's, I, I just couldn't do it. I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. So, so I just feel really lucky that I've discovered this, this area that I just love mm. so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, can, I, I mean, I can only imagine what a director must go through, but I, I, just listening to you two speak, I mean, it's clear how passionate you are about editing and it just, I just think the idea of becoming an editor is, is so fantastic now because you're just doing some things. Every single film that you work on is going to be different and, every, and, and that's what is great, I think, great about it because you're not doing the same thing once. And that, I think in modern, modern jobs and occupations, I think that is a, a, something that you can always get excited for because it's always going to be different. You're always going to be working with different people, uh, which is uh, really, really fantastic, I think. Just a personal question on my own. So when you're doing a film, how long, uh, how early can you start uh, getting, like working on editing? So um, is there a certain point or will it always be different with the a, a different films like in, so how many scenes will they shoot before they'll send you uh, like footage and things like that if you want to start, Rich? Or, yeah, go on. Well, you know, it, de it depends on the show. You know, there's, you know, sometimes they'll have you doing, uh, storyboards just to get some stuff down for like second unit directors or action scenes they want you to cut the boards and to get the kind of pacing and then you have that you then you send that to your your stunt people you know before it's even shot but then i think look studios have this thing that i hate when it says oh we're gonna do pre-shoots or some book you know you're shooting you're, you're actually shooting but they have it under like disguise of like pre-shooting I don't, you know, you're doing daily, you're still shooting. It's still footage that needs to be processed and treated like an everyday, but they have maybe like a few days beforehand. But I think generally, you know, as soon as they start shooting, you, you get the material unless you're getting uh, storyboards or animatics so that you can look at to have an idea of like what people are looking at for, for stunts. It depends on the kind of movie, you know, but um, yeah, that's why it's called dailies. You get, you know, as soon as the first day shoots, done you get your rushes your dailies it's the next day or same day you get you get footage 
So, uh, and generally you want to start looking at like, uh, at that material right away. Um, you know, and in some cases you can't get it right away. And in some cases you'll, you'll want the video tap because you want to see what they got and you want to make sure that they got enough material to cover. Um, yeah, but, but different shells have different situations. Yeah. Go on, Steven. Yeah, I mean, there's, like he said, there's, there's a lot of different situations, you know, sometimes, uh, it, and a lot of it has to do with just like a financial consideration. Some, some shows, it's, it's not, they're at a budget, and especially I would say if you're just starting out, um, it's, it's not totally uncommon that, that people will have scrapped enough money up to uh, start shooting, but they don't have the money to hire the editor or to deal with all of that. And so they shoot a bunch of material and then you're going to come in and kind of start once everything's all done. That's not the ideal way to do it mm -hmm. because obviously if, if, if you are, I mean, okay. So, so the ideal way to do it is they start shooting, you start cutting. Um, the, the footage comes in every day. It's usually, you know, two, three hours is kind of an average. Um, and it's usually a scene or two. Mm -hmm. And every day you put those scenes together, kind of just deal with it as it is. Um, and you just kind of keep up with it. And if the director is um, unsure about something that they've done, they might check in and say, oh, can I see that? Or I want to make sure I got everything I need. Some directors, they love to be involved with how things are going together from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Some directors, they just want to focus. They just want to keep the blinders and, 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 or this kind of tunnel vision on shooting and moving forward in production. And they don't want to think about how the stuff's going to go together. They kind of have it, an idea in their mind. And they know that the editor will, if something is wrong, if something's weird, will bring it up. But otherwise, mm -hmm. they're just going to keep barreling forward because production is so... Uh, time sensitive and stressful and there's so much you know money at stake every day so they don't they don't have, really want to stop and, and think about all the choices right mm -hmm. and then yeah so you're just kind of keeping up as you go along and then uh, and then once shooting is done you got everything all put together and you kind of watch through it now in context which you hadn't had a chance to do before with the director and you just start to talk about it and start to make changes things see what things are working what things aren't working mm -hmm. and 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 make those adjustments um and it's often a really difficult time for a director right after they've they've just gone through this really intense experience with probably you know hundreds of obstacles thousands of obstacles that didn't allow them to get what they wanted that didn't allow them to do what it was in their brain. Mm -hmm. But hopefully there's enough, there's enough people focused on the thing that they were trying to do that they ended up with something that still has that same spirit that you then find when you start to look at. But the director then has to kind of go through this emotional journey of mm -hmm. letting go of the thing they were yeah. literally trying to do and finding the thing that they actually did do that that still communicates the the things that they wanted to communicate. Um, yeah, cool, cool, very cool. That brings us on to my next question. So, how much time once that film's done do you have to get the final cut? Really, again, that's probably going to be different for each film. I mean, there's probably, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you guys. But depending on the the, the level of the film in terms of uh, of the, how big it's going to be in terms of the scope of cinema that year and, and meeting deadlines, I, I guess, would bring a certain sense of pressure um, to meet them deadlines in that final cut. So just in, in, just in your, just for your experiences or anything like, how long do you normally get to make that final cut? If you want to start, Rich. The final cut? Well, that, I mean, director's cut, I, I think it's, I don't know what it's in there. Uh, you, and their contract, I think they get eight weeks, right? Is it eight, eight weeks? Ten weeks. Ten, ten, weeks. ten weeks. Ten weeks after, you know, last day of shooting. But, you know, uh, there have been a lot of times, too, where, you know, for the first pass, the director's cut, you know, you, they look at your work and they're like, okay, let's make a couple of tweaks. And then two weeks afterwards, even before the time's up, they're like, you can show it to the studio. We're moving on. You know, that's just how they feel about it. But, you know, 
it just all depends on the type of movie, I think, and, uh, you know, how many visual effects, if you have a lot of visual effects, you know, all that has got to be built in. So, I mean, you could finish a movie in four months or you can finish a movie in a year and a half later because it just depends on the kind of show that it is, you know, and, you know, availability. There's all kinds of things that, I mean, we haven't even touched on, like, you know, your composer, people's availability, all of a sudden, what if you got to grab some ADR, you know, that might push something because these people need to be available so that you can finish your project, you know, get all the little things in that, that happen over the course of the show. But I don't, I don't know what the, you know, average studio time frame is generally, I think it's generally about nine, 10 months, you know, from at the end of shooting, you know, that's been my experience, you know, some of them are a little shorter, some are a little longer, you know, it just depends on, you know, what the movie is and how much time, you know, they might just say, oh, take your time. You know, it just depends. You know, it depends mm -hmm. on the producers, the money that's involved, or, you know, whether they have to wait for animation to be done or visual effects to be done. That just pushes everything down the line. But mm -hmm. every show is different, you know, so, yeah. Interesting. Stephen? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny to think about, like, the film industry for you know whatever the last hundred years or so uh the last 20 years or so with the advent of computers and and digital uh, media and all that things have have started to change but a lot of the a lot of the, the kind of templates for how long things take and how how long you get to work on things those are things that were established like decades ago and and they're still pretty much the same, right? So depending on the size of the movie, you're gonna have your production period, which is gonna be anywhere from like, you know, two to four to five, maybe sometimes six months, you know, if you're going all over the world or something. Whatever that time is, you have enough time, you always have enough time to kind of put everything together by the time shooting is done. And then at that point, it's all, like nine times out of 10, you're gonna be working for that 10 weeks on the director's cut, and it's one of the things that I think really delineate working on a film versus like working on a TV show. TV, TV editorial is, is on a much shorter schedule, right? Because of the budget, because the, the, way, that, the way that whole workflow is designed is you, you plan, plan, plan everything, get everything perfect. You go out, you shoot quickly, you get things together quickly, because once you've figured out the show, every subsequent episode is kind of following a, a format, following a, a template. You're not, you're not discovering the style, right? But with a movie, you get this amazing luxury um, of after you've put it together for the first time, you've got 10 weeks, essentially, to rip it apart, put it back together, find a new language for how you're going to communicate this and that and this, like it, it's, it, it's so different and it's such an amazing creative uh, process to go through. And some directors love that, right? They, they want to take advantage of all of that. Some directors, they put all their effort into production. And so when you get into the editing room, they want to kind of move really quickly and confidently and just say, get it get it done so I can start to the, to the finishing process and I want to get things really polished and look at that, you know, but, but like I said, it's, it's generally about 10 weeks and then you have a kind of another, what, month or two of, of finishing things because your mix is going to take a month, probably your color timing, your grading, um, mm. that's going to take roughly the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. If you've got visual effects, that could extend a schedule. Mm -hmm. um, it's just all these other things that get plugged in that decide how, how long you're on it. But, you know, some movies, it's, it's normal to be on it for like a year or more, you know? Big visual effects movies, sometimes you're on for two years. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, most of the movies that I work on, it's less than a year. It's like Rich said, like about nine months, 10 months. 
yeah very yeah so interesting like and I, I, just from my perspective because i'm not i'm not hugely knowledgeable on editing it's all re really interesting stuff so we're just gonna so we're just gonna move on to a film that you guys both have worked on and it's one of my it's one of my it's one of my favorite films uh, ever i mean just before just with all that i mean we've probably not touched on half of what you could probably explain to us about editing but we haven't got we haven't got all day to speak about it, even though i would like to but we're gonna, gonna just gonna talk about the revenant so if I'm right, you were the chief editor, Stephen, and you were the first assistant, Rich. Is that right? Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, uh, so Stephen, you got the team together for it, uh, for the for, for the Revenant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's it, generally uh, it's the same team from movie to movie to movie. So, so mm -hmm. I the I first worked with uh, Rich on the Hunger Games, mm -hmm. um, you know, years before, and and I I'm fortunate that that I work with several directors fairly regularly. And so sometimes they have overlapping projects. And so I sometimes have like one crew over here and another crew over here. And I was really lucky that Rich was available to come in uh, on The Revenant because it was really, uh, technically, it was an extremely difficult uh, process because of the remote locations, because of the speed that they were moving, because of the fact that they were shooting a lot of uh, stuff with this new uh, RE, uh, the, 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 the Alexa, the 65, the prototype yeah. of that. Um, and, uh, and so it was, it was him and then, and then the rest of our crew. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry. In terms of, but but again, it's that's a movie that was not typical. Like it it wasn't a normal situation. It was very extreme, and it's only because Alejandro had already been working for you know decades, and then had just done Birdman, which was a really extreme, like a, an extremely like a completely different process that we learned all these things from that process that mm. then applied to what we were doing on Revenant. Mm. And then on top of that, um, there was a financial situation and because of the weather and everything, we got boxed into a release date that didn't really give us enough time to finish the movie in a comfortable way. Mm. And one of the things I appreciated with, with Rich is, you know, that was a movie that was very difficult to enjoy while you're working on it because you always felt like you were falling behind you always felt like you know you you didn't get enough done today or you didn't do this right and 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 it was very stressful for alejandro which meant he could be uh you know going through stresses and emotions that that aren't fun like and one of the things that's great about working with rich is he keeps he always keeps this great positive attitude that the team, you know, that that there were moments of fun that he was helping us find these moments of fun in a in a situation that was decidedly not fun <laughs> to be to be working on. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I can only imagine that. Obviously, the technicality of it is is, is outstanding and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, you must have been under a lot of pressure to produce oh, yeah. the good, so to speak. So, but just gonna take you back to the start. So, I just want to hear about your initial thoughts when you guys basically got asked to work on The Revenant and you, and were you excited to be on that, on, on, on that film and on the prospect of what it was going to be if you, if you want to start, Rich? Wow, when I was, it's, you know, getting on a plane, going to Calgary, I think <laughs> for me was like, okay, I'm, I'm on a plane, I'm going to Calgary. And then I see a guy to, to my left and, and then it was like, um, it was Alejandro, but I don't want to introduce myself because it because was just like, for, I, I, you know, I, I've I'm like several times, but this was his first time on the show with Alejandro. So, so I was like, that's Alejandro. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna let him be, you know, I'm just gonna <laughs> sit down, do my thing, put my glasses on and just zone out and just get ready. Cause I don't know. I don't know what I'm in for because for me, I knew there was a big technical hurdle that needed to be, that we had to get over. And so when, when I got there, I kind of had to assess the situation. Like my job, I mean, it was just like assess the situation, 
find out what I need, let the studio know because the studios are like, oh, okay, what, what's really, you know, technically like we weren't ready for this. What, how can we make it better for editorial? How can we make this smoother? Cause it's not smooth. And so, you know, I had to tell them that, look, first of all, you guys like the, there's, you know, computer throughput because we were working on a prototype camera, they weren't ready for three times the bandwidth, three times the storage, three times the time. It, it takes three times the amount of time it takes to transfer one card than a regular film, like a 2K camera. It was just like, they weren't ready for yeah. it. And, and I'm gonna interrupt for one second, because that's the other thing. All the prep for this movie was to shoot it on film. It's a completely different workflow shooting on film than shooting digitally in, in terms of editorial, right? So the entire editorial process was being set up to, to support a film shoot. And then two weeks before, they completely realized we can't do it on film. We have to shoot it with, with the Alexa. We, we have to shoot it this other way. And so that meant everybody had to like, a, a, a thing that we had been prepping for for you know, a month or more, had to get completely like, okay, we're gonna completely scrap all that and we gotta start from scratch and we gotta move fast. We gotta move fast. And, and that's, you know, that's why somebody like Rich, he, he's been through, he's had so much experience. It's like, you could just throw anything, just throw anything at him and he'll just figure it out, figure out how to fix it, figure out how to keep moving. I mean, what most people don't realize for like, you know, on any show on location, I think like my, like as a first assistant and for those of, want to get into editorial you know there's like a hierarchy you know everybody's got their job but the first assistant you're managing all the expectations you got to have your tentacles out you got to know what's going on everywhere because if something breaks down you're it's your fault if the editor doesn't get it you're responsible for it. why didn't you call them why did you think what you know how come this isn't in and i mean i've called steven several times at three in the morning steven <laughs> you know, tell us, you know, tell us any of the transfer. They're calling me, the producers are calling them, they're telling them to stop. And I'm, <laughs> and I said, if they tell you to stop, call me right away. I don't care what time it is. And of course, there are many times where I got like call 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And lo and behold, Steven, I know it's late, but this is what's going on. I got to let you know. I told them to keep going. Just, you know, you got to cover your bases because it's called dailies. I mean, we'd be kind of screwed over if we didn't get our day's dailies and then we had to go show them to the director or there was something important and we didn't have the information that we needed to kind of put that together to realize if we were missing something. So, you know, a lot of, you know, when you're looking at, I think, in the producer standpoint, some of the UPMs and things, they're like, no, it's going to cost us more money. And, but you know, the ramifications and the domino effect of you not getting those dailies in a timely fashion is much greater than paying that overtime for a couple yeah. hours for them. Cause, to Cause think about it. They might, they might lose a location, right? And they lose their location and the dailies didn't come quickly enough. And by the time they're on the next location, uh, you realize, oh, there's a problem with these dailies. There's a, there's something wrong, um, and people need to know about that before you, you know, in case they need. Anyway, but that's that's where the where the the pressure comes from, right? Mm. It's it's usually like a financial pressure that the the filmmaker that the producers want want to be as efficient as possible, but the director wants to do things and push boundaries to do things as creatively as possible. And so there's always that tension and in, in, in editorial, what you're always striving for, what I'm always striving for is to head off any problems at the pass so that you never have to bring a problem to the director, that the director is protected from dealing with, wait, is there a problem? Is something wrong? Is something not happening? Unless you, unless you absolutely have to, that they can really feel confident that they can just keep moving forward and that somebody is taking care and making sure everything's perfect behind mm -hmm. them, you know? Mm -hmm. So they don't have to think about that. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's something that, that I work really, really hard to try to, to accomplish that and that, that the crew uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's working with us is, is constantly double checking, triple checking, making sure everything's perfect along the way. Yeah. It's, you know, cause there's hundreds of people, right? Working on yeah. the movie. You don't want to be the one person that kind of messes up what 
what those hundreds of people have been, you know, focused on and trying to accomplish. I can only imagine the scale that you have to for that though, because I mean, especially the Rona, how big that must be. I mean, that's stressful stuff. So I commend you to on on creating that film because it, it's absolutely amazing. But so Alejandro is very well known for these for or recently well known for the, these long takes that he does, uh, especially with Birdman and then obviously in the Revenant as well. Is there, does that bring a different level of difficulty with editing when you do when he brought in this long take this long take shot that he does? Uh, just to start with you, Rich. Well, you know, our, you know, my process, you get everything in there and, and maybe set a couple of shots up. And then, you know, there's also visual effects editors on site, you know, sometimes working with, uh, working with uh, those video taps and making sure things work and setting stuff up for us, you know, because they, you know, the, the visual effects supervisors got to make sure that they can actually execute what they need or have the footage that it creates the look that we need to get an editorial. So, you know, there, it's not just editorial, but there's actually other parties involved to supervise and make sure that that process goes along smoothly. So by the time we get it, you know, we, we have some choices of things that actually will work together. I mean, but Steven's got a little bit more experience in that realm, I think with like Birdman, I'm sure that was a lot of fun. You know, they got a lot of techniques that they used on Revenant. And for me, it was like a, um, eye-opening and you know I learned a lot it was it was something where like you know it was like the best school you can be into for learning processes and techniques and kind of like you know how the setups are in order to get what they need to get so for me it was a new experience and I'm always be grateful for that you know and and it's crazy because it is kind of new and kind of like, you know, it's a style that you only could be had on this type of show. It's a style that is, that is Alejandro's, that is Steven's, you know, it's a style that they've created that they continued on at Revenant that kind of like worked beautifully, I think. But for me, it was a learning experience. So, uh, you know, just watching it, you know, getting it as dailies and then, you know, actually the, the fine tuning stuff, when it, once it gets to Steven's hands is you kind of, you kind of sit back and go, okay, I, I get it now. Okay. I see, I see what's going on here because no, like, you know, just like anything else, you know, no two take, no, no take. You could have one take and have it, you, you know, you can imagine it one way and then Steven gets it. And all of a sudden it's imagined a different way, but it's the same take or, you know, it's tweaked a little different way. So it's just like, it's amazing to watch, but uh, that particular technique, I mean, it's pretty amazing. But Stephen could talk, to, I think, more on that, you know. Always. Go on, Stephen. Yeah, you know, as I was saying before about the, the editor is, is one of the, you know, is helping shape audience point of view, right? So the thing about these, these, uh, these long takes uh, specifically is it doesn't allow you the same flexibility that you would have with normal coverage, right? Um, people, I don't think quite, until you've, until you've done it a lot, you don't quite understand the flexibility that coverage gives you. Coverage, and when I say coverage, I mean the different, the different setups, right? Pointing at the camera this direction, a medium shot, a close up, a wide shot, two shot, um, reverse angles, um, having all that coverage means you can hide trims in the cuts between shots, which can make a scene shorter. You can choose to play a scene only on one character and then pop into the other character just like for one line, right? Which completely changes the point of view of that scene. When you're shooting a long take, you have the director has to commit to, and the actors too, right? Like you can't have an actor try like wildly different things and then in editing try to craft that into one complete believable performance, right? With the long take, what Alejandro has learned is you have to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse ahead of time, do lots of rehearsals, camera rehearsals, so that the choreography of the shot 
that all of that stuff that he understands what the issues are. And so for that movie, it's like we, we cut together rehearsals before they started shooting. Then the day of the shot, they will rehearse in the mornings. That stuff will get sent to me, um, depending on how, you know, delicate it is. I maybe will, will massage the take, send it back to Alejandro so he can choose what's, what, what things work and don't. And then at the end, the second half of the day, that's when they shoot the actual takes. And Alejandro's process is to say, okay, even though digitally we can do things to manipulate stuff, he wants to, at the end of the day, if he can't change anything digitally, know that there's one take, at least one take, that's good enough that if he had to live with it, he can live with it. Um, and psychologically, that's a very different thing than if you just, and again, when you're shooting coverage, you know, like, okay, I think I got the scene. I probably got the scene. I don't know for sure, but I, I probably got it and we'll figure it out. And if I didn't get it right, you know, there's all, I've, like, I've never had a situation. 100% of the time, if you've got coverage, you can make something work. It's not the same with a long take. Long takes get chopped out of movies all the time because some flaw can't be removed from it. Uh, and so that's, that's why the degree of difficulty for Alejandro accomplishing what he did, you know, for the actors, it's not that different in some ways, right? Because they're essentially performing the master scene. They're not, they're not performing it any more or any less. Mm -hmm. They're just having to perform it over and over and over again. And they're still, you know, there's no close-ups. Mm -hmm. They're not having to redo, uh, with different, you know, camera angles and moving lights around. So they're like in a zone and in a space and they can, they can kind of get through that very quickly. Mm. Um, and, but in terms of editorial, you just, there's a lot more prep work. And then once you have it, then it's, then it's like, then your, then your hands are tied, right? Because, okay, I got to make sure that this thing can work, that if there's something we want to fix or change or something that's not perfect, that we that, that we have an out and it's and it's constantly again like I, I just what was fun about it is you already know all the tricks you I already know like all the tricks I can do with coverage with long takes there's so many more tricks you have to find and, and discover and that you know and, and that was just fun fun uh, working through that So guys, that's the end of part one. Stay tuned at the same time next week for part two where Richard and Stephen delve far more deeply into the amazing film The Revenant.